0: You could just record me reciting the screenplay. Yeah, because I, I have it memorized.
1: I'm the, not sure. The love fest begins right now.
0: <laughs> oh my god! I was gonna say I'll try to keep it tasteful. I won't get too romantic.
1: Yeah, yeah. Let's keep it PG. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to our special Film Nerds podcast series on prestige blockbusters, movies that have made a big splash with both critics and audiences. I'm your host, Matt Scalisi, and uh, with us once again is our guest programmer, Ben Stark, who chose all the films for this series. Welcome back, Ben. Hey, thank you. So, after a couple of big budget sequels here, we're going to take a look at an original work a film that uh, has spawned a couple of sequels itself. Uh, Hopefully we've seen the last of those. Maybe (laughs) not, though.
0: Apparently uh, an actor I talked to a couple years ago rode back. Um, He was an extra in Honey Dripper and uh, the John Sayles movie, Mm -hmm. and he like rode back from a location with John Sayles, and he talked to him, and John Sayles was talking about how he just got done uh, working on a draft uh, for Jurassic Park 4. So you are wrong.
1: No, look, I know it's in development. We'll we'll touch on the full series maybe a little bit uh, during this podcast, but
0: it's gonna get so
1: ugly. Oh, it's gonna be bad. Okay, so so obviously, what we're talking about here, Steven Spielberg's Jurassic Park. Um, It's it's based on the 1990 novel by Michael Crichton, which I haven't read, um, but and as I understand, there are some differences. Um, But obviously there are a lot of ideas and references in in both the screenplay uh, and probably the book that come from sort of some classic stories, uh, including the obvious reference to Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Um, And I think probably what made this movie such a success, at least with the critics, uh, was that there's a little bit of kind of intellectual weight um, and a little bit of kind of Believable science—it's stretching it, but you know it's. This is this is almost there's there's so much uh, interesting reasoning and science put into the concept uh, and the and the premise of this film that I think that that may be uh, what makes this film as a as a story and as a screenplay have some some relevance beyond just being a monster movie. Talk about some of those issues that this movie addresses, Ben, and why this is why this is more than. Uh, say, a movie about a giant shark with a human brain.
0: <laughs> uh, are you writing that script? Because I just stole that idea. Yeah, um, but... <laughs> or is that Deep Blue Sea? That's
1: That'd be Deep Blue Sea, yeah. Oh,
0: again, that's coming up in the next Prestige Blockbusters. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, there's a line in Jurassic Park that, uh, that Ian Malcolm says, uh, and it goes, What you call discovery, I call the rape of the natural world. Which that line is such an audacious thing to say in a silly summer monster movie, like you said um, and it's 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 a like you said it's a smart movie that has smart discussions in it and it's probably my favorite in the series we're doing right now um, and lines like that and discussions like the one you mentioned the ones you mentioned um, are the reason why. Um, the, the conversations that take place in the first, like, 40 or so minutes of the movie, they, they, they run from the morality of cloning, um, the theories of evolutionary path of dinosaurs. They're not, the, the things they talk about, chaos theory, the things they talk about aren't just, like, interesting from a story perspective, but they're they're right, you know, that it's real things that they're applying. The idea that dinosaurs were related to birds uh, were, instead of, just reptiles. That's a, that's an idea that in the late '80s it was kind of like a crazy idea. Whenever Crichton was writing the book, um, and then in 1993 it was like a yeah, that's a pretty solid idea. Um, and now it's a, it's actually accepted as fact. Um, if you look at like a, a sketch of a dinosaur in the last from the last three years, they all have feathers. Um, it's a it's an idea that's completely been proven as far fo- as much as science can prove things, and the fact that. Spielberg and Crichton and David Kep uh had their finger on the pulse of paleontology and chaos theory, um which is like a huge part of the book actually um each like chapter or section of the book is like broken down with the, this little snippet of chaos theory quoted by Ian Malcolm um and uh it's actually chaos theory's gotten a lot more popular because of the movie um It's just really commendable and it's just amazing that they that they work this kind of stuff in. So, like you said, a, a big monster movie with scary dinosaurs.
1: And you know, cult, you know, commercially, I, we we talk about how it's successful here critically. Uh, there's no question commercially this was a massive success. This was the highest-grossing film of all time um, when it was released. That, that was a, a record. You'll see uh, falling a lot as we progress uh, <laughs> chronologically through this series um, in the '90s. Uh, you know, there was the merchandising was out of control. This was a this was a massive uh, event film, like we talked about with Terminator Two. Um, you know, this was a movie you had to see in 1992. Um, it, it was it was just such a big deal, and and I think a lot of that um, has to do with yes, this was this was dinosaurs. You were going to see dinosaurs in a movie like you had never seen them in a movie before. Uh, and this is kind of a this is kind of a really important uh moment Jurassic Park in the history of uh special effects in film and we talked about Terminator 2 which came out uh the year before Jurassic Park using CG for a, for a major character um, but it was limited CG and and uh you know it, it 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 was it was able to it was only able to go so far and really while Spielberg and and Michael Crichton were developing the idea to to make Jurassic Park into a movie. Uh, they didn't really know how they were going to do it, uh, and and it, it came down to they actually did uh, pre production uh, for both stop motion and this kind of revolutionary new computer animation technology. And you know they sat down and looked at them both, and they said, okay, this is this is where it's going. Computer computer animation is how we're going to do this movie um and talk about you know this movie you know do do you do you believe that that's that this movie is that important ben is this the movie that that finally said okay computer animation is now the new uh way that we create imagination on screen
0: absolutely i I really do think it is um uh if if t two was like oh that's a neat experiment that really worked well, this was the one where in in two hours it completely changed everything you know through its running time uh after after everybody sees it that's that's now the new expectation and th- you know there's no real going back you can't possibly make a stop motion dinosaur movie after nineteen ninety three unless you're making Carnosaur, which again coming up on prestige Blockbuster. <laughs> um but What's again like like in t two the the smart the, inte- the smartness the there intelligence <laughs> <laughs> the intelligence of the film and uh and its kind of narrative narrative thrust it it necessitated the special effects um so it wasn't just they didn't decide you know what we could do we could do dinosaurs um, and they would look really good, so let's make a movie where dinosaurs look really good um, but they so they wrote the script, and then they said, uh, wow, we really can't do this, but one other way. Um, but, you know, it's not all CG. There's a there's a lot of um, uh, animatronics. Right, and the, um, the animatronics auto, are... No erotica, as uh, Donald Gennaro might say. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, you yeah, know, it, the, and well. the animatronics were certainly revolutionary, too, and I think that, you know, that was an important contribution to this movie, but uh, for, you know, I think we know from... From you know the production history of this film, and when you've read people talking about the production, uh, the animatronics alone just wouldn't have got it done. You know they had they had major problems with them, and um, I, I think I think we're always going to, uh, as we'll talk about in the Lord of the Rings podcast, I think we'll we'll see that it's always going to be necessary to use lots of different forms of visual effects to to effectively sell a concept like that to the audience, but. Uh, you know, this was, I, I remember, this is one film that I have, you know, really sharp personal memories of, uh, I remember sitting down in the theater and seeing this and, and anticipating how great it was going to be. And granted, maybe my standards weren't so high. I was only about nine or 10 years old, but, um, you know, you go in, everybody that was going to see this movie had through the roof expectations of what these dinosaurs were going to look like. Uh, and of course, uh, that first big shot, that first scene where uh, where uh, John Hammond shows the two uh, the two scientists the the dinosaur for the first time, it just blows you away. I mean, uh, certainly in 1992 more so than than now, but it's a uh, it, it, it's almost watching that film again. It's almost like you you're watching more than just an, a moment happening in the story where these characters are saying, "Wow, I can't believe." this moment in history has happened. Um, it's almost like you're watching a a little moment of film history where the audiences collectively saw that and said, wow, movies are totally different now than they've ever been before.
0: Yeah, I think, I I think you're right. Um, when I was a kid, you said everybody had high expectations. Uh, honestly, I didn't know what it was. And, uh, like we, Ben, uh, Flanagan and I were, uh, facebook chatting the other day which that's that's another one of those things you don't like saying out loud <laughs> <laughs> and uh and we were talking about how, how there's film kind of fans that that over oversell their reaction to movies um and I, I made the example of oh when i saw punch truck love it was so awesome that i didn't sleep for like three days i was just thinking about the movie and we're we're uh, we're kind of making light of the fact that you know it's 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 movies and you, you, it's that's not necessarily a called for reaction and it's not necessarily a natural reaction either but I think you know what I mean but for jurassic park uh i have to i have to kind of speak hyperbolically as well uh it changed my life <laughs> like, <laughs> it uh when w- the day before my friend called me, and he was like, Hey, do you want to go see this movie Jurassic park tomorrow tomorrow and uh and i said yeah I don't know what that is. Can we just go see Super Mario Brothers instead? <laughs>
1: <laughs> that has dinosaurs in it.
0: it yeah it does, and they talk so better already <laughs> and uh but he said, no, no, we you probably want to see Jurassic Park. So he we went and saw it, and first showing first day it was open, and like for the next year that's that was my entire life like that's all I thought about. that's all I th- talked about. Um, I I'd always like liked dinosaurs. I had a big interest in them. Um, I always read about them. I read Calvin and Hobbes, and it's full of dinosaur drawings and stuff. So I was really interested in it. And then I found out that what it was, and I was like, "Oh, this is going to be, this might be good." And then I watched it, and I was just like, changed. It made me want to make movies. Uh, it made me. It, it just, you know, it was the perfect movie to come out at that time for me. Um, and I and I had you mentioned earlier that. It was a phenomenon, like this cultural thing, and had all this merchandising, which, by the way, uh, is also another reason it's a pretty smart movie, is because they use side marketing of the film in the movie, you know? Right. They use the, the stuff that's... They, they make a comment about the marketability of this stuff and how it gets exploited. They make that in the movie, but then they turn around and make the money off of it, too, Sure. which is kind of cynical and kind of sleazy, but pretty smart too um but as far as the phenomenon goes i i I wasn't you know t2 didn't really get me i wasn't really wrapped up in that i really didn't get wrapped up in star wars when i was a kid uh or et i I didn't see et until i was a lot older and but this was this i got wrapped up in like i had to have the toys every time we went to a bookstore i just like sat (laughs) in the jurassic park section and i was just like books okay and i just like read you know looked through them and Whatever I could do. Uh, My parents didn't buy a lot of toys. I got a Velociraptor toy and uh, loved it. And (laughs) it's a weird memory. I remember, like, I used to go to work with my parents because they have their own business. And I'd walk down the street to this drugstore, um, and I would just look at the toys. And what's funny is, and I'm sure a lot of people have pointed this out before, but what's funny is the Dennis Nedry action figure, you know, like the Wayne Knight action figure. (laughs) He is so cool. He looks like Michael Madsen, <laughs> <He's> like, <laughs> like Reservoir Dogs. He's got like sunglasses, and he's like big and like. But in the movies, you know, he's Wayne Knight. Uh, it's just funny that they made the action figures so cool. But like I said, I read I read all the books. Um, I read the Crichton book, then uh, I, I read all the other Crichton books that I could get my hands on. Um, by the time I was eleven, I had read a bunch of his extremely violent and long and complicated books not so complicated in in retrospect but like I said this movie changed my life it made me want to be a filmmaker after it me and my friends talked about being archaeologists and then they would (laughs) and they would like talk about archaeology things and I would just talk about Jurassic Park and they would be like you don't want to be an archaeologist you're just talking about the movie and then I realized oh I'm not so much as interested in archaeology as I am you know the movie itself and making a movie like that um I wonder what would uh what if like City Slickers 2 was like that movie for That movie for you, yeah. yeah. Where I was just like, I have to I have to do what what they do here. <laughs>
1: curly has inspired me.
0: <laughs> the curly curly's gold. Yeah. I have to look for it myself in my heart.
1: You uh, know, uh the looking looking around at kind of the just some of the, the details about this movie, um something kind of sticks out to me. And and that's another film that was released in the summer of 1992, uh, which is Alien Three. And this is a little uh, bit of a tangent Jurassic here, but you know,
0: it, what now? Jurassic Park was 93.
1: It was it was 1993? Okay, so so the year later, right? Uh, you know, a- Alien Three released just in such close proximity with Jurassic Park, um, and yet from a visual effects standpoint, it's it's. Uh, huh it's it's a lot different uh and, and if you ever get a chance to, to take a look at the alien 3 dvd that was put out a few years ago it's really interesting probably the most uh of any dvd i've ever seen alien 3's special features are more critical of the film uh than any dvd i've ever seen um really rag the movie and and talk about all the problems they had but you know this was a movie that uh, they The people involved in the production talk about you know uh, c g was available, uh, but they weren 't really that confident in it yet and what they ultimately decided to do in Alien Three um, in addition to using puppets and some other technology was uh, they filmed some stop motion uh, animation and they and they kind of very sloppily uh, paste it on top of the film uh, and and it's just uh you know you, you look at you look at what happened you know just the year before uh with the probably one of the headliner blockbusters of the summer in 1992 and you come out in 1993 it it's a it's a universe of difference you know b- between what was being put out and and that's why that's why people uh still watch Jurassic Park today and and I think why Alien 3 is not as much of a cultural phenomenon
0: yeah yeah no. Yeah, I, I agree, and it's it is staggering. Um, maybe we should just do a whole Alien franchise. I podcast. think so.
1: I think we need to do just a podcast on the Alien series because
0: that is one of the most mishandled series I've ever in the history of movies. It's got to be.
1: Look, I'm but, I'm glad you agree with me on Alien Three. I'll get a lot of. We'll bring the Flanagans in on this whole Alien business, get, and we'll it. no, they love Alien Three. They loved. Yeah. Oh,
0: no. oh I watched it for the first time last year, and I just uh, I I. It's funny that you said that the, the special features are so self-deprecating.
1: venture am- refused to participate. Yeah,
0: yeah exactly. I, I imagine just that there's a version of the DVD that they had planned but figured it wouldn't sell as well, where the production <laughs> members just pop up in the middle of the screen and are like, why? Why are you still watching? Just turn it off watch the second one. Um, but going back to the topic. Um, yeah, speaking about the special effects, I think, uh, uh, think they're... Incredible, first of all, and you're right. The people go back and watch them, uh, watch this movie the same way they watch a recent movie, and they don't do that for a lot of effects kind of driven movies of that time. Um, I mean, the T Rex car attack seamlessly blend CG and and robotics, and it's got to be one of the you know all time great movie scenes. Just how tense it is and how iconic it is, um, and it just switches back and forth between CG and and uh, practical, and you can't ever tell. And I think I don't think there's I can't think of even a movie since then that has more believable kind of computer-generated images than Jurassic Park. Maybe Children of Men, the baby birthing scene in Children of Men is predominantly CG, and that's incredible. Um, Also, Zodiac, which a lot of people give me flack. Actually, just a couple people give me flack for saying that. But Zodiac has some pretty impressively integrated special effects. Um, But I can't think of many other movies uh, that have... Can you think of another movie that's no? A I mean, seamless...
1: that's a, that's an excellent point. That they didn't just kind of use it and make it look really good. In yeah, this they movie. didn't
0: introduce the technology. They in did there. it.
1: They did it really well. They kind of picked up on some subtleties that people still today struggle with.
0: Absolutely. And uh, the go ahead.
1: No, you, go go ahead, Ben.
0: But I was going to say that the same way. What, what's negative? What the bad thing about that? The same way that Jaws and Star Wars. Um, were these great landmark films that started a kind of a downward slope and a bad trend, and a lot of people give them flack for that, you know, a lot of people, um, you know, say Jaws isn't as good because of the blockbuster mentality that it, that it kind of spawned. Um, the same way that, which doesn't have anything to do with the actual movie, you know, the, the same way that happened to Jaws and Star Wars, this, the same thing happened in Jurassic Park. Uh, and it started this really ugly trend in the 90s, or a reason you go to a movie is because of the CGI, and it's like a, a main selling point. And you had movies like Twister and Spawn and Anaconda and uh, Godzilla.
1: Yeah, I mean, you just name a, a scary animal or monster. Yeah. Uh, you know, it basically it basically Master. is the reason that the Sci-Fi Channel movies exist. Oh, uh, brilliant! We can't but. hold it to that, but I, I I do want to talk about something that maybe Jurassic Park deserves a little more responsibility for. Um, and that is the the rest of the Jurassic Park series. And we won't get too deep into this because uh, this, this is just a podcast about Jurassic Park. But, you know, um, obviously you, you sound like you're poised to defend at least the Lost World. Um, I can't imagine you have anything good to say about Jurassic Park 3. But I, I personally... Felt like uh, all of the sort of intellectual weight that this film has um, is kind of thrown out the window in the Lost World, and it really it really surprises me with the Lost World because that movie's got Steven Spielberg's name on it, and give me at least in a you as brief a way as possible, give me what I know is going to be your defense of the Lost World.
0: Uh, I don't want to talk about the Lost World. You I don't. want to talk. I want to talk about how good. Jurassic Park three is. Wow. No, I'm just kidding. That movie sucks. It's <laughs> uh, no, Lost World. I, I'll agree with you that it doesn't have nearly as much kind of intellectual um uh discussion going forward as Jurassic Park. Um but I think it does have a couple little smart ideas. Um it's got a it's got the like the, the gymnast
1: I, the gymnast that uses her gymnastic skills yeah, to beat the the dinosaurs
0: intellectual uh implications of gy- gymnastics when applied to velociraptors jaw bones no the uh the the mother the the, the parenting instinct of the t-rex is i think it's interesting that it makes the it makes the monsters kind of which they didn't go into at all in the in the first film but it is all through the first book um there's like a parenting um uh an idea that that these these animal these are animals you know these are animals to be preserved these are animals that care for their young in, in instinctual ways these aren't monsters and I think I think there's the the way of the, the way that they kind of push that idea I think is a smart idea but no there's not as much smart stuff I I defend it as a just a solid fun adventure movie with a lead I think Ian Malcolm is a stronger kind of action adventure lead um, than than. Sam Neill as Alan Grant in the first. No, I'll
1: I'll agree with you. I think he's a more interesting character to take through a movie. But I also think that.
0: Well, I think that movie. I think I think Alan Grant is perfect for the first Jurassic Park. But if you're going to make the second Jurassic Park a rollicking kind of Vietnam, let's go get him. Let's go pull him out of their kind of Rambo two kind of thing, which is kind of what they did. I think you're going to want a more jovial lead, and I think uh, Jeff Goldblum did a really good job.
1: Well, you know, I, I certainly am in entertained by Jeff Goldblum. I think I think there's a little bit too much of a mess happening
0: in Lost World, where there is. A, I, I think I think it's a very clean screenplay. There
1: are so many. There's so many Confusing
0: you? What's confusing you? With Lost World. <laughs> Look, we've got. Where, where are you losing it?
1: We've got. We've got Toby from The West Wing. Some, something's going on is. with him I've, before he I've gets. No who that is. Yeah, the guy that gets ripped in half by the two T Rexes.
0: Oh, Eddie Carr? Okay, you know his
1: character name. <laughs> <laughs> Off the top of your head.
0: Off the top of my head. Wow. Because he's in the book too, and I read the okay. book. Like, it was released. You know, you've
1: got that guy. You've got Julian. So what's, what's up with
0: him? I, I, how, no, how,
1: I, I, it's, it's 2008. I don't remember a thing about him other than he was played by Toby from the West Wing. And that he was ripped in half by two T T-Rexes.
0: Uh, real quick let me throw this out he's uh he's no larger of a character than Samuel L Jackson in the first movie and serves a, a similar <laughs> purpose.
1: yeah which is to to say something clever a couple times and be dismembered you know i I, I feel like probably uh, there there's just there's so much less focus to the story uh and to to having one thing going on in the lost world and I think I think there, there are a lot of sort of gratuitous things, particularly the T Rex getting loose in Los Angeles. I think that's, I think that's pretty absurd, and that's where the movie goes from being it's a, an interesting, it's a, an interesting movie that might have something uh, to say and might might make us care about the characters to being a silly Godzilla type action movie.
0: Matt, it was San Diego. Um, oh, excuse the, uh, me. <laughs> well, but but if. if yeah, it's a little indulgent. Okay, it's not a little. It's extremely indulgent, but on the part of Spielberg. But at the same time, it still plays into the the idea of the, the the animals as parents protecting their young, because that's what they use as the the physical forward kind of narrative thrust of that of that part of the movie. So I think I think it plays into the overall theme, uh, uh, <clears throat> the overall theme, and I think that it's. You know, it's it's again. If you've decided to make an adventure movie that's uh, this kind of natural protection, just leave nature alone, Herzog kind of message, then uh, then it's it's fine because and it and it plays to that message because it completely um, it contrasts nature against civilization, right?
1: I, you oh, know i'm just i'm just gonna ha- i'm leaving you plenty of rope here to hang yourself the, with
0: with this oh, no, you're putting in silence so you can put in applause right. on uh, <laughs> but uh, the gymnastics i can't I can't defend um there's i, I think mean, that's not- the difference.
1: look I, there's there's some redeeming things in the lost world. I think the difference between it and Jurassic Park is there's a lot more indefensible stuff in the lost world than there is in Jurassic <laughs> park
0: that is the most subjective thing i've ever heard. <laughs>
1: No, there's just a lot, there's a lot more in it that is, uh, that comes off as absurd to me and comes off as that didn't need to be in there. That doesn't, you know, it's, it's a little bit mixed in terms of tone and, you know.
0: I think the tone is very consistent. It's different, (laughs) but I think it's, I think it's very consistent. It's a good, bright, fun adventure movie. I think, I think we can agree that Jurassic Park, the first one is great and that the third one. Uh, it should have been more talking velociraptors.
1: Yeah, they should have spoken English more, like they did on the the plane. It should have
0: been a good velociraptor with a British accent that helped them solve a mystery.
1: Which, by the way, is, from what I understand, basically the premise of Jurassic Park 4 appears to be that these these talking velociraptors, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong from what you understand, they're going to be trained to use weapons and go around the world to sort of, you know, do good?
0: Yes, from what I understand, they've been trained in like a, in like a Swiss uh, military base right. <laughs> <laughs> to be weapons. Of, this like, isn't a this, joke. This is no, actually
1: this, what the... What the...
0: What's awesome is that not only is John Sayles, this respected, independent, like, you know, maverick uh, and screenwriter, not only has he worked on the screenplay, but William Monaghan, who won an Oscar for The Departed and wrote Kingdom of Heaven uh, and Body of Lies, he wrote it. He's, like, writing the main draft, and Spielberg has been on record as saying, like, this is going to be better than the first one, and the idea is just ridiculous. That's, I can't, that's I,
1: really made me start to question a lot when, when, I, when he's made these sort of really supportive hyperbolic statements about Jurassic Park I, 4 and his, his idea tells, for them.
0: You know what it tells me? It tells me it's going to be that good.
1: Yeah, it is going to be better than the original Jurassic Park.
0: Yeah, it's going to pres- be
1: it's going to be Munich with dinosaurs.
0: <laughs> that's in, that's incredible. <laughs> I've got to sleep now because my day just got as good as it could possibly get at that idea. Uh,
1: all right. Well, we'll that's wrap a- a- we'll wrap this one up then. Um, and uh, join us for the next installment of uh, Prestige Blockbusters, where we will be discussing what what will we be discussing in part four, Ben?
0: Part four will bring us um, the Wachowski brothers' first Matrix film.
1: All right, should be interesting. Uh, yep. Thanks again for for joining us, Ben. And we'll we'll see everybody at the next podcast.
0: Thank you.